Welcome to Coaching Culture, the podcast where we discuss how we can use sports and not let them use us. I'm J.P. Nervin, the founder of Thrive on Challenge, and the mission for this podcast is to connect leaders in athletics to help us create a transformational culture by building leadership and character. Now let's get started. Welcome to episode 29, Developing a Competitive Environment with Desirable Difficulties. If you haven't already, be sure to go to thriveonchallenge.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter for today's podcast coaching notes. We're back with Trevor Reagan from trainugly.com, and in today's episode, we're going to pick up where we left off from my previous conversation with Trevor. We're going to be discussing the tool of the competitive cauldron, the importance of desirable difficulties, and the art of applying any tools or principles in coaching. Definitely some very applicable points about how to apply tools and principles in the future. So I hope you enjoy. We talked about safe culture and we're talking about proficiency of skills and creativity. And I'm sure you've read a lot about Anson Dorrance, correct? Yep. And so one of the things that I actually picked up and read in one of his books that he published in 95 called Training Soccer Champions. In Training Soccer Champions, he talks about the competitive cauldron, which... Mm-hmm. You know, he publicly ranks the players, puts them up in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And I, that really challenges me because I really feel like, you know, I, as a coach, I really preach a lot of no no conditioning as a punishment. I, I, that's really one of the big things I preach. Um, here, he's not punishing. And I don't, from everything I know about the competitive cauldron, there is no, it's not actually um, while it, their playing time may be reflected a little bit in that. There's no real uh, hard rule on, you know, you, where you rank in the competitive cauldron based upon how many points you've scored in right. practices, whether, whether you're going to play or not. It's just posted. It's there. And he actually, in many alludes to that, he doesn't really even talk about it much. But it's there sure. and players acknowledge it. i just yep. like to know your thoughts on the competitive cauldron. I yep. think competition drives improvement. I know there's some research that shows that when it comes to creativity – people are going to be better when there's not competition. And so I'm just curious your thoughts on yep. the competitive cauldron and maybe the best way to use that tool. Sure. I think with almost anything in life, it's like when we use the tool properly, it can be great. Like Twitter is a great tool when used properly and it's not great when it's not. <laughs> like, And that goes for like everything. And so there's a time and a place that the, the cauldron can be super effective and awesome. And we, we use it a lot in the camp because what we're trying to do is mimic that feeling of Friday night. And it's tough to do in practice and introducing those variables and creating a little more uh, tension and a little more pressure. Um, there's value in that. And now again, I don't think we're using this to shame people. And I think to use the cauldron properly, a lot of work needs to be done in the background, like laying the foundation of what our program is about and the value of the cauldron and how it's not like judging you and shaming you. It's creating competition. And we know that competition can help us grow. And so I think it's using it properly and doing the groundwork beforehand, working with even talking about like growth mindset, fear, vulnerability, uh, all these like mental things and principles that help us become great learners. If we set the table with that, 
our people are more likely to see the value of the cauldron. So rather than just throwing them in the cauldron and being like, good luck, it's like we're yeah. testing them. We're like talking about, hey, look, like we believe in challenging you and we believe in desirable difficulties and we believe that we want to be able to let it rip and be great learners even when under pressure. Well, how do you get good at that? By doing it. It's a skill. So we're going to give you reps in high-pressure situations to be a great learner and let it rip. Are you always going to be perfect with that? No. Do we want this to diminish your creativity? Absolutely not. But what we're doing is giving you opportunities to sharpen this skill. So in those conversations, we're starting to explain the why and purpose of this. And I think that is a very underrated thing with almost any drill or anything we do in practice. It's like taking the time to present sort of the principles or science that backs this and help the players understand, I think that will lead to more engagement and a, like a healthier approach to that drill rather than just throwing them right into the fire and just saying, hey, we're doing this because I said so. Um, so I think there's a time and a place for it, especially when we use it properly and especially if we've done the groundwork of prepping them, explaining why, and we've done our work uh, kind of on the mental side of things as well. You know, I had used this years ago. Um, and kind of maybe three, four years ago, I had a competitive cauldron, but it was a very reward-based yeah. system. And yeah. it was like I was charting everything that they were doing in practice, and we were literally – you could earn yourself a Gatorade or something like that. Sure. And that was effective in the short term, long term, highly ineffective okay. uh, for so many reasons I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, right. you know, Makes sense. They didn't understand – we lost the value of competing, right? The value of competing yeah. wasn't about getting to be the best player you could be. The value of competing wasn't sure. about growing as a player, enjoying right. the game. It was about getting a Gatorade. Yeah. Right? So and that's, like, that's what's wrong yeah. with Harrison Six, right? It's like either, exactly. either you're going you're gonna to compete because I'm going to give you a Gatorade or you're going to compete because I'm a coach that's going to put you in the line and run. Right. Which I have so, such a, a, a big yeah. issue with. We've got to train it's, the mindset where they value competition. Yes, exactly. And that's what, like, the great ones have developed that skill, where it's like some of the best athletes we work with, they love the cauldron, not because of the reward. They just love that tension that it creates. They just love it. And so the, the, the thing that comes up is, are we here to look good or get better? That maybe we could win the cauldron because I got matched up with, the six five person on my team, I just got lucky by the like how it shook down, and we threw the ball to the six five person every time we had it, and they uh, scored inside and got a bunch of putbacks. No one else shot, but we won the cauldron. Cool. Did we get better? Probably not. So it's like it's yeah. kind of walking that balance beam or the tightrope we call it of like I'm trying to compete. Obviously, I want to win this. But big picture, we should all be here trying to grow and get better. And if I'm sacrificing opportunities to grow in order to just get this Gatorade, it's like there's some conversations that need to be had there. Now, again, we call it a tightrope walk because we're not saying like, oh, uh, we're doing the cauldron, but it doesn't matter. It's like, well, then why are we even doing it, right? So it's like finding that balance of I care I'm competing, but big picture, I'm being a great learner as well. 
And it's a tough tightrope to walk, but like everything, that in and of itself is a skill. So the more opportunities we have to practice that skill, the thinking is the better we'll get at that tightrope walk. You know, I think you really hit it. Like you have to have the culture that supports it, right? So like I, I, it, it, it's got to be about the culture beforehand. So I was coaching a sixth and seventh grade church team, um, a sixth and seventh grade church team this year, um, like the B team. Uh, guys didn't have a real competitive spirit in them. Um, I tried to make everything competitive in practice, but I didn't do losers run and I didn't offer rewards. And I felt like it was falling flat, right? Um, yep. I was trying to build a culture. I mean, it's just you know you're practicing twice a week, so what you know, <laughs> it's tough to do what you can do. But I didn't feel like I was building any competition, and I really like to avoid the, the reward stuff. Um, and I think like with Dorrance, you know, he has his where I think really all he does is just post who's the yeah, leader's right. team, like, and <laughs> yeah. then that's enough at that level at that age yeah. to drive right. people. Like I don't want to be at the bottom of the list, and that's what he talks about. But right. for me, I ended up actually saying, you know. Everybody, because it was very developmental, I never would, would, would play the same amount of time, uh, generally within a game, except the last few minutes of the game. But I, I, I decided to do winner of the day for the competitive culture is the top five are the starters. And I mean, yeah. I saw an instant reaction in, in sure. now I didn't talk about it all practice. It wasn't like, oh, who are you going to be? The, who's going to be the starter? Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. charting it down and they know. Right? Yeah. Because I, I don't overemphasize it. And I felt like that was like I found that, you know, that I, that tightrope I was kind of on it. Exactly. So it's like you kind of dangled it out there and they sort of took care of it. Um, so again, I, and I think that's kind of the art of this is like knowing your players, knowing the situation, uh, and knowing how to like push that button and find that balance. And it might be different with different groups uh, at different levels. And it's about understanding the value of that balance and then putting in the time to find it and doing the groundwork to create a culture where it's like, look, we see why we're doing this and we understand the value that we are lacing up and competing because we know that the best way for all of us to grow and get better as individuals and as a team. Yeah, I think that, like you said, that you've got to understand your people and it differs for every level. I mean, you could have a competitive cauldron that, you, and if you start to see that it is driving players apart where they're getting into fights and they're, they feel like they're yeah. a better, they feel like they're a better <laughs> person than somebody else, not just a player, yeah. they right, feel right. like it, it, it ties their value and their self-worth. Then you have a serious problem and you gotta find ways yeah. to like paper it, paper right. it or, down. Yeah, or if it's like, okay, the cauldron, like playing time is influenced by the cauldron. And then someone's on my team and they're having a bad day and messing up a lot. It's like, so like my team score is being affected. My playing time is being affected because someone's having a bad day. Like in some culture or on some teams or some cultures, like I might rip into that person. Understandably so, kind of like obviously we don't want to do that, but you sort of see where they're coming from. So it's like, it's, it's slippery. We need to use it properly and understand its value. And if it's not creating that value, let's take the time to tweak it and fix it and explain it in a way where it can bring value to the group. And so, again, like, there's lots of science and there's lots of tactics. The art is in knowing our people and how to deploy it and spending the time to run the experiments and see sort of like, okay, uh, how do they respond to this? What conversations could I have to prime them a little bit better for this? Um, 
how are we approaching this mentally? How are we framing this? Like all that's the messy part, but that's like the important part. And that's what the great teachers, great coaches, great leaders, whatever group we're talking about, that's what they do. I feel like a lot of coaches sometimes ask me, well, what should I do in this situation? <laughs> and I'm always, I always very hesitant to give someone a firm answer of like what they should do. Sure. Like, you know, your people, you're on the ground. Right. You've got to be afraid, not be afraid to try different things out. And 100%. when things go badly, like that's where you're going to learn the most, right? It's like, it, you, you can't teach in a vacuum. You can't coach in a vacuum because life nope. doesn't operate in that way and neither is sports. Right. So it's like, we, we know that there are some best practice. There's some great principles, but that's, there's simply principles. Figuring out how to apply them, that's the tough part, but that's yep. the most important part. And there's no blueprint on that. Like, that's the art, man. Like That's the art. That's, it's not the science, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like the science is great, but then the application is the art. And there are some things we can borrow from other people and share and strategies, but in the end, it's going to be a little bit different with different groups because we coach humans. Humans, they're different. Like, <laughs> that's just the case. It's like, uh, it's just like in the business world. Like, there are some best practices that are shared across the board. But different groups apply different principles in different ways according to what they're trying to get done, the people in the group. Um, and so I think one pattern I see in great leaders is they spend a lot of time and energy getting to know their people because with that knowledge, we're going to be better at deploying the principles that we think matter. I really enjoyed listening back to my conversation uh, with Trevor in today's episode, and it really caused me to reflect on the value of the competitive cauldron. Even personally as a player, I would compete against myself and when I would be training and working on my jump shot. Uh, for instance, I would shoot 10 jump shots in a certain spot, and if I didn't make 9 out of 10, I'd make myself do 10 push-ups. And playing that little game with me created some pressure, and it made it much more enjoyable. Some other of my takeaways from the conversation was, first, balance. All tools can be used properly and improperly. We need to understand their value, but we have to walk that tightrope. We have to maintain balance when applying these tools. The second thing is the competitive cauldron. It's important to have the right culture to support it. Don't just explain what it is or how you're going to be doing it, but explain why you are doing it. Explain the dangers uh, of the competitive cauldron as well as the benefits and the opportunities for the players. And lastly, I really loved my conversation with Trevor about the art of application. This is really the hard part of coaching, understanding your people, knowing your players and situation when we use tools in coaching. Anybody can get out some coaching book or some handbook and read that and understand what those things are. But applying it, that's the art, the art of application. All right, that's it for today's episode. If you want the notes, go to thriveonchallenge.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter where I will then email you weekly um, the notes in a PDF format. If you haven't already, please leave me a a rating on iTunes. Give me five stars there. If you won't give me five stars, shoot me an email at jpnervin at thriveonchallenge.com and let me know how I can improve this podcast.